wasn't that bad, was it? Surely not. Or was it? Maybe. Maybe it was. MDNA, we waited a long time for it, nearly four years. And then we got served Give Me All Your Lovin' as a lead single. Now, as far as promotion and album campaigns go, this was masterful. The Super Bowl, spectacular. Madonna beautifully weaving the football theme into her premiere video and cementing herself as an all-American icon up there with football, Coca-Cola, hot dogs and it seemed genuinely like even those past Madonna haters embraced her just for a moment kind of forgiving her for her past indiscretions and saying well no matter what she is she's our girl The Super Bowl provided Madonna with a universal audience, most of which would not typically go out of their way to watch her. But how proud we fans were when all of the United States and beyond got to finally see the talent behind the brash packaging and And the the shameless self-promotion. And oh, what about that Super Bowl performance? An incredibly benevolent atmosphere and she delivered a bloody electrifying performance. Looked amazing, moved like a genius. It was captivating. Although it possibly wasn't live. Am I right? Shame. MDNA, it's proof that no matter how slick the marketing, how huge the promotion, or how well the campaign is executed, if the music isn't good, it's just not happening. As Betty Davis once said, when you're good, you're good. So, does MDNA deserve to sit alongside Madame X, Shuby Doo, and Dennis Rodman in the Madonna Hall of Shame? Let's find out with Nick, David, Lee, and Simon. Welcome, my MDNA friends. Hello. Hello. Let me give you my simplistic view. It starts off bloody strong rapidly declines into something quite soulless and unexpectedly peaks with brilliance just from time to time. Am I right? Well, Madonna seemed to have taken a hit of some bad Molly. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Now listen, she was only referring to the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well. Four years prior, she, you know, Madonna's never done the drug thing. She's very proud of that. But she did say at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, uh, induction that she did take a, a tab of ecstasy in the beginning of, of her career when she first uh, signed her, or when she first got signed, I should say. She didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know. She's never. She likes her mind in control. But what about this album, though? I mean, first of all, what is this album about? What is she trying to say? I think you have to look at where she was in her life at the time. So she was divorced. Um, she was a woman in her fifties, divorced, uh, and I and she hadn't been single in a long time. And I think that 
a bit like when she got divorced from Sean Penn and she wrote erotica and she, she, you know, she'd spent a lot of time in clubs and kind of going out and doing all of that. I think she was trying to come at it from a similar angle because I think that's kind of all she knows when she's single. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of her most personal and confessional albums that everyone kind of misses. Like Love Spent and like, I mean, Love Spent's savage, we'll get there, but Love Spent is like heartbreaking. Mm, it seems like a very angry album to me, Lee. This, uh, listen to some of the lyrics and um, like I say, I feel like on one hand it's it's soulless, at the other hand it's like um, angry without a purpose almost. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a mix, isn't it? I, I recently listened to it again because we were doing this and at the time, I kind of was like, uh, I like the singles, but I'm, I don't really like the, the album tracks. But listening to it again, I actually do quite like it. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, there is a lot of kind of post-breakup. Um, I'm going to kind of have my say about um, my ex-husband. Um, there's a lot of Catholic, I can't say it, Catholicism in it as well again I think because that's the kind of a theme that she goes back to um, but then there's also the kind of like awkward kind of kind of sort of like soccer mom trying to be cool again and you know that kind of stuff so it is a really mixed album for me it, it doesn't have a kind of a, a theme that follows through all the way personally for me I'm going to be quite frank here I Listen to the album, and besides Masterpiece, I don't remember half the songs. Like, my, I think it's her most forgettable album, but with Hard Candy and MDNA, they get bashed a lot. If you see a lot of reaction videos on YouTube, yeah, those two are pretty hated. I mean, it's it's probably my least favorite. I mean, this is, I don't like when Madonna tries too hard. I think with this, because she was going into a Eurodance, EDM, Eurohouse kind of groove, she really, I, I think she's like, okay, I, I can re- relate to the kids. I got Lourdes next to me. She's telling me all the cool stuff to do. I don't know. Not her I, I greatest. I think that's kind of unfair that you said that, you know, like Lourdes was going to help her be down with the kids because she's always been ahead of the trend. And I think the problem with this album. Uh, reason that she couldn't be ahead of the trend on this album was because of the way that the industry had changed. Like by the, she, she started recording the album when dubstep was just blowing up. And then by the time she released the album, it was gone. You know, I think, I think Skrillex was still around in like 2013, if I remember correctly, but yeah, I was not into all that dubstep crap. It, it kind of started, it kind of started coming out in sort of 29, 2010 29? 2009, 2010. 2010 was kind of when it started blowing up. And then and she started recording the album in 2011, which is when Skrillex got signed to a major label. And then uh, she released the album in 2012. I'm going to put this to the group. This podcast, and Nick, you know this better than anyone. You've been listening for a long time. Is the most anticipated podcast that we've done for a Madonna album. Why the devil is that? What does MDNA, what button does it push with Madonna fans? Like, you know how the media is. When people talk about negativity, the people (laughs) pick that up. And, you know, I'm sure they know this album is crap. Let's be real. So... So you know what that you know the truth. All of you on the line, you you understand that the pressure is on us. They want to hear wall to wall slams. And so far, I've heard 
mm, very reasonable responses. So I'm on behalf of all the listeners, stop it. Stop being reasonable. <laughs> they look, didn't tune in for this. They want you, the controversy. Yeah. If you look on YouTube, um, you <laughs> see that worst lists, like worst of lists, get more attention than best of lists. So, yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's right. Wow. Give the give the people what they paid for. Madonna does it. Now we should be doing it here. So tell well, us how bad this album is, Lee. I'm, I'm going to be controversial. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad album compared compared to Madame X. I, I will take MDNA every day because Madame X left me cold. At least there mm-hmm. are um, songs on here that. You know, take stripping away all the kind of trendy production of the time. They are really good pop songs. Um, I mean, some of them are kind of a little bit cringy um, in in their lyric, um, but it's not a bad album. It's you know, I, and I I went to see the tour, and at the time didn't like the tour myself, but then I've rewatched it and gone, no, actually, it was far better than I thought. I think people kind of get caught up in the oh yeah, it was rubbish, but then when you revisit it it really isn't as bad i'll tell you what the mdna tour had one of the best tour openings madonna's ever done uh besides possibly um the blonde ambition tour which was my favorite opening but this is incredible i could watch that opening girls gone wild uh Mm. a thousand times i fast forward through the bells and the chimes which i'm sure you all do too (laughs) Uh, (laughs) when she comes out that choreography just freaking Mm. phenomenal let's look at what some critics said at the time okay music critic samuel murian he concluded that there is no such thing as a bad madonna album mdna though is the closest thing that is to a lifeless one then we go to graham grimoire from queerty he felt that quote if MDNA had been released by another pop artist, perhaps someone younger and less established, it may have fared better. But coming from an icon like Madonna, it was, put simply, a disappointment. And then I have to give a shout out to the Sydney Morning Herald's Bernard Zool. He panned the album as cold, stale, and depressingly ordinary. Fair comments? Would you say Would you say this is worse? Uh, this is... Um like Madonna's "Kiss Me Once," I guess you could say, because I know I'm a kid of, like "Kiss Me Once." <laughs> oh, you're trying to push my buttons there, Mister Nick. <laughs> yes, I would say that actually, because "Kiss Me Once Again," like uh, in terms of Kylie Minogue's album, for those of you who don't know, "Kiss Me Once" is technically a good album. "MDNA" is technically a good album, but there is something missing with "Kiss Me Once." It's Kylie's soul. MDNA, for the most part, it's Madonna's soul. I feel like she's not there half the time. There's a track, I think it's the final track, where even the balance of the vocals is out. The music's completely overriding her, so I think that's quite symbolic of the whole album. What do we think of the opening single, Give Me All Your Love, and surely this was a critical mistake, releasing this as a lead single. And let me say this, if, if it had been left as an album track, you would have had the fans going, oh, it's a favourite, it's a favourite, it should have been released. Mm. Ironically, because it was released as the lead single, it's it's sort of treated with great disdain. Big mistake for a lead? I personally think so. It was... It was, it was almost like she was trying too hard. It was like, right, let's get some rappers in there that are cool. Let's, it, and it was a little bit like, oh, Madonna, you don't need to do that. You don't need to, to try and be a cougar. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's not go there. Take off, take off the cheerleader's outfit. Let's not do it. 
Yeah, she's not Missy Elliott. She doesn't need this like featuring Nicki Minaj crap, you know. I lo- I love the music video. I think she looks beautiful in it. I I like yeah. it's very qu- uh, quirky and fun. I mean, mm. and as a single, yeah, it's it's disappointing. I was I was more angry at the fact that at the Super Bowl she lip synced it. Um, mm. That that bugged me a lot. I wonder if she really did, by the way. I, I've watched YouTube clips from, filmed from the perspective of people in the audience, and it sounds entirely different to the TV broadcast. So I was wondering if that was overdubbed afterwards or she if you know, I'm from the beginning. Overdubbed, so maybe it was overdubbed. Uh, like a Prayer was just – it was beautiful. I thought she was enchanting. To be able to hold an audience that wasn't her own audience for mm. that long and to get the accolades yeah. and the praise from unexpected quarters afterwards, amazing. I think Elton John had a go at it, though. As usual, uh, yeah. talked about lip syncing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's easy to say that when you just sit down behind a piano, isn't it? Idiot. Yeah, exactly, Elton. That's right. We'd like to see you lip dance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wouldn't want to see that. Thank you. <laughs> the Time to Talk show is a podcast made by passionate amateurs who simply love pop culture. Unlike other podcasts, we can't raise revenue through traditional advertising, so we rely on the support of our listeners to keep us going. If you'd like to make a donation to Time to Talk, click on the link in the description. Your support will help with our production costs and allow us to keep bringing you content that celebrates, honours and skewers the very best and worst in the world of popular music, film, trends and culture. Thank you for enjoying our shows. We absolutely love our growing legion of loyal listeners. This is Mandana, and this is my MDNA review. Well, what I could say about this album was it was a whirlwind because Madonna was directing her major directorial debut, WE, and she was offered the Super Bowl halftime show and finishing up recording this album. People say that it's not so great. Some people say it's great. Um, I think it's a great album considering, you know, the time limitation she had on it. She worked with William Orbit yet again from her masterpiece of an album, Real Light. There's anger, there's dance, there's joy, there's longing, there's despair, and there's some shade in it, and I love it. Um, this album also was the birth of the reductive comment toward Lady Gaga, and I am here for that. So there you go. That is my MDNA review, and I hope you enjoy it. What was the second single, Girl Gone Wild? Um, Girls Gone Wild. Girl Gone Wild is the the opening track of this album. It, mm-hmm. For me, it's a, it's an absolute killer track. It's an updated version of Girls Just Want to Have Fun, uh, a more sophisticated version. It's brilliant. Like this is a this is a pop perfection to me. It's a it's a brilliant uh, track. I can't fault it. No, I, I loved it. I think it's brilliant. It's kind of classic Madonna. Um, I love it when she does like a dramatic spoken bit in the middle of one of her songs. You know, mm-hmm. forgive me. I love that. Um, um, and she was bang on trend with the video with the guys in the high heels that were doing the dance routines because they kind of like just appeared. Um, she looks lovely in the video. Yeah, um, she does. Compared to Give Me All Your Love and you're like, oh. Should I do this? Should, By the way, is opinion. it a what's the what's the line? 
Give me those AOA drums. AWA drums. No, an 808 drum is a type of drum, like a type of synthesized drum. Hey, leave a video clip. She might look good, but it's a boring video clip. What a shame. What a wasted opportunity. This is a great song, and it could have been it could have been uh, epic, oh, and it think? wasn't. Boring. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really kind right. of really atmospheric, and um, yeah, it was, yeah, it, compared to, you know, the kind of kitschiness of Give Me All Your Loving, this was kind of like, it almost reminded me a little bit of um, what's the video that she did for um, oh the song where she they were all in sort of boxes wearing PVC. Human um, nature. Oh. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Really? Mm. See, I th- to me it looks a little bit like fourth single didn't have the budget for a video, was on tour, didn't have time. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not I. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's no God control, basically. Yeah, yeah, they're hardly iconic, are they? We move yeah. into track two, Gang Bang. I, I, I love, love this track. Love it. I, I was obsessed with this song for a bit, and then I don't know. I just uh, it took it away. I think this should have been a single. Can you imagine the video clip? Yeah, man? if she'd done like a Tarantino style video. Oh, that would have been cool. I, let me oh, ask a question, though. Is Bang Bang Boom the original version of that song? I've never heard that. It's a demo that leaked. It's the only demo that I'm aware of that leaked from this era. And David, provocative title, builds up to a crescendo in the middle. It's got rude words all through it. This has got David written all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Um, it... I mean, I'm not a big fan of this song. I, 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 I think it's good. I, I was excited at the fact that I heard that she was she wanted to do a video to the song with Quentin Tarantino. Why that didn't happen, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it should have. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a it's a decent track. I mean, you know. MPNA performance of this was uh, really good as well. I, I, I loved it. Um, I remember watching the London clips come in on YouTube and uh, she had to get the show started in the daylight hours. So it, for me, it was quite strange watching this choreography and the way that she planned this to be with, you know, really spectacular lighting and all of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and backdrops sort of drowned out by the daylight when I watched for YouTube clips from the London Hyde Park, was it, I think? Yeah, I don't know why she decided to go outside. Not doing that. Guess who was there, though? Kylie was there. Ah. She Ah. was. Yeah, go and have a look. You can see her standing in front of the the stage, incognito, all dressed in the the hat and the scarf and hiding behind the glasses type of thing. I'm addicted. So we're up to track three. So, so far, for me, this album has started really well. I, I love the opening track. I love the ominous feeling of gangbang. Then it moves into I'm Addicted. One reviewer um, <clears throat> that I was, like, years ago when I read reviews for this album, one uh, guy had said that this was the standout from the album. Mm. It's Benny Benazzi, who I love anyway. Um, and I think that he wasn't really doing anything at this point. He was just kind of remixing people. And I think it would have been a really interesting idea because his sound is so unique. This is this is one of my favorites. This is in the top two or three for me, just because I love. I, I mean, I love the club scene. I was never a raver, but this is a true 
raver. I mean, like get on the dance floor and just, I just see the lights going crazy and the beats and the bass line, everything. I think I love the, the crescendo at the end. N E N A N. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. It's probably my favorite part of the song. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I dig this song. And then, in my opinion, the album starts to go downhill. Turn up the radio. What a hideous song. She sounds very unpleasant on this track. Oh, I love this song. Well, Tim, this song, unfortunately, <laughs> what they did, they they upped her vote. They computerized her vocals. They made her sound higher, like a like a like a Katy Perry school kid, and that bugged me because if you go on YouTube, you can hear her actual vocal, which was a lot better than the mechanical one they had on the album. Uh, I always assumed that was intentional, though. I always assumed it was like, so the first three tracks are very dark, and the fourth track is like this kind of like shaft of light, and I always kind of assumed that was why. The thing with this song is that it begins, like, fun, and then it you feel like it's going to build up to something great. But then when she gets to the chorus, like, turn up the radio, she sounds like she's bored and she's not really, it's like the song is missing something. I feel like it's a demo. It's not finished. Well, I, cause I, I think, cause the other videos are so lackluster, but I quite like the video. I think she looks great. She had a kind of Bridget Bardo look sort of facially and with her hair and everything. And it was you know, like the scenery was pretty. And I mean, it's still dull, but I think it's less. She looked like she put slightly more effort into this one than Girl Gone Wild. Well, that is an interesting perspective because <laughs> at least she danced. At least she danced in Girls Gone in Girl Gone Wild, but this one, she just, yeah, she just got. You know that around. was originally called Girls Gone Wild, and she got. Did she get sued, or did was she going to get sued? Is that right? Like, um, because obviously it's the name of a porn film, and that was oh. the joke. But then uh, she either thought she was going to get sued or they were going to sue her, so she changed it. That explains why the B-side's called Madonna Does Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why the second track's called Gang Bang as well. I think she was going for a theme. Some oh, yeah. girls. I love it. It's one of my favourites. Tell us why. Go on. Um, right, so I have a theory kind of about this album in that I think it's a lot more English and European sounding than it is sort of for the markets of anywhere else. This, to me, sounds like it could have been done by Girls Aloud. Some of the sound effects on this are ill-advised, to say the least. David, what are you making of this one? Uh, I love this one, too, because it's uh, unlike anything Madonna's ever done. It was new and fresh. I, I When I first heard this, when I was listening to the album, I'm like, whoa, this is written. And uh, if you look back at uh, Klaus Aland, uh, you know, he's Swedish songwriter. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very, um, he's done a lot of good work with a lot of good artists. I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I uh, again, it's, it's very fresh and new sounding. It's, uh, I like that disjointed vocal. And uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, again, one of my, one of my favorites. It doesn't. It doesn't go well after this for me. <laughs> We're going to do something really different. I'm going to hop out of the studio for f- two to two to five minutes, and these guys are going to keep talking. Who wants to chair this fantastic, non-controversial discussion about MDNA? <laughs> David, you can do it, can't you? You're the the wisest person on the line. 
<laughs> I'm the wisest. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, take us away. Go, take us to the next track. I'm going to be oh, back. I promise. Okay, sounds good. Well, okay. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> so confident. Gentlemen, we got Superstar. This is isn't this um uh isn't this a Carol's favorite song? <laughs> yeah, I think so. how many how many times have you heard this? How many times have you heard this lyric? Ooh la la, ooh la. <laughs> this, this, this to me is probably the worst song on the album. I'm sorry. Uh, mm, I agree. Well, <laughs> I think it's awful. And I think if Beautiful Killer had been here instead of that, or not necessarily yeah. in this place, but on the album right. instead of that, I think it would have been great. Yeah. It's terrible. I've been just so really, it, it, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not even a B track. It's not even a C track. It's not even a D track. She should have, uh, this should have been on a box set as and with a little inscription of Madonna saying, you know, this was me at, not such a creative phase. <laughs> okay, uh, because uh, this song was used. I think Andy Cohen loved it, so oh, they really? used it for a lot of the promos of the of the yes of the shows on Bravo. So, and I'm a Bravo watcher, and I just be like, why? Why did they use this? So anyway, it always that's all, that's all I have left to say about Superstar, right? Uh, the next song is I Don't Give Up. <clears throat> I love this song. Um, again, why does she need, like, Nicki Minaj? She's not, like, I don't know. Yeah, but I love Nicki Minaj, so it's fine. Uh, and she was still cool at this point. This was I don't love saturated and I don't love this song on the album, but I do love the... I thought the live performance of this was good. I thought she jammed it with her guitar, you know, yeah. on the stage. I mean, you know, it's this is uh, Martin Salvig. You know, we were going to get more of him in Rebel Heart. So this is kind of like a precursor to, you know. I love Martin Solvig. So I didn't get to talk about Gimme All I Love Him, but um, briefly segue as we're talking about him again. Uh, I was a big fan of him anyway before this album came out <clears throat> and um, I really liked Gimme Only Loving because I thought it sounded like the Tigra. Um, it reminds me of Decepticon. Um, and this to me is like the least Martin Solvig thing he's ever produced. Like it doesn't sound anything like any of his other stuff. I think as much as I hate this album, I think this song is maybe the least, like one of the least bad ones. Like I could see myself going back to this song and listening to it, but it's not terrible. I think, you know, there's also earlier on what I said about it being one of her most confessional albums. Like, this is entirely about her marriage. And it's one of the most brutal songs she's ever written about a failed relationship. Like, it's nasty. But that's why I like it. Because she's just basically... I, I, I get the feeling with this and Love Spend, I get the feeling like she had put up with a lot for a long time and eventually she was just like nah I'm not doing this anymore and that once that relationship ended she was just like right now I'm gonna say all of the things that you've expected me to do while we've been married it's savage I love it first of all how did you go Mr. David oh it went very well we trashed superstar (laughs) (laughs) 
Hosting's so much easier than people make it sound, don't they? But what I do notice, David, is when I went to go and pick up Megs, who's about to join us right now, he's just setting up, uh, Lee was perfectly alive, but it seems like Lee's passed away. What did you do to him? I know. Where, where did he go? Very strange. You don't know? You're the, you're the host. <laughs> oh, no. You know what it is? You know, me, the American, like, I think all Brits sound the same. So I'm like, oh, you know, Simon's talking, Lee's talking. <laughs> it's just Simon. <laughs> no, me the whole time. We're both from different parts of the country. We sound completely different. He's northern. Yeah, yeah you, yes. It's my ignorance. You're right. Fresh from serving drunk people Thai food all night. <laughs> Megs. Yeah, Hello. Yes. Thank Hi, you. Megs. What have I missed? How have you missed? What haven't you missed? Really what do savage. you think of MDNA? Um, look, I, I, I don't have any particular issues with it. I quite like it as an era as well. I can yeah. tell by that face you haven't listened to it, have you? Oh, well, Look not at every that song. face. You're just bald-faced lying. I, I obviously know that it's not her strongest work and that she's obviously... Cameron, stop it. Stop giving me the stock answers. Well, have you listened to this? Look uh, at that face. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not very prepared. Give me the name of a song on this album. Oh, my God, I <laughs> I can tell you, father and son, you sound like the same. And oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you people are struggling to know who's who. Girl Gone Wild is doesn't count. What's another one? Um, then the other ones are the the she does the cheerleading. <laughs> Give me one non-single. Can I just go on my phone really quick? Yeah, <laughs> go, go on, get on your phone. Go on. But See, that's, I, how forgettable, I, that's how forgettable this album is. It's more. <laughs> Shush. I'll know them, definitely. Because... All right. Fair enough. Anyway, look, we uh, this was a phenomenal thing that we did. We left the, the wonderful David hosting, who I had <laughs> every faith in, and when I came back, Lee was Lee's passed away. <laughs> so, uh, Lee's, Lee, no, Lee's having some technical difficulties, unfortunately. Don't worry, David. I don't blame you. I just probably think Lee ate from the restaurant where you work at next. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Okay, so... I to quickly say, I'm looking at all the songs and I do know all of them. I really do, okay? <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story that you'll remember. When you were, I think you were about seven when this came out, right? Mm. And in the car, I was playing gangbang and like you're a seven or eight and you you would put your hands over your ears <laughs> and I'd go, as a father, I probably shouldn't be exposing him to this, but it's such yeah. a damn good song. It's a very aggressive song. It very it confronted me. <laughs> I always thought Watch me when I become a dad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Megs. That's why I grew up so warped. See, if I had not no. played that song to you when you were seven, you might have been working somewhere classy. No, stop that. It's, it actually is classy. I don't know about that. Look at what you're wearing. Okay, I'm a sinner. Are we up to that now? I'm a yes. sinner. I get something. I don't know. Yeah. There's a little hint of ray of light here. Does anyone yes. see that? One? Yes, absolutely. This is the most orbit like classic orbit sounding song on the album i really like the production towards the end as well when it starts to kind of go a bit crazy and it does doesn't she, it she does have this obsession with sin as well that um yeah i learned about when we were, i was researching like a prayer mm. and so i think that's that's you know i think she's like embracing it in this song like the lyrics are like 
You oh. and I are going to get too deep now. But when you're brought up <laughs> with the concept that you could go to hell if you sin, mm. sin becomes a, well, a, a quite a dramatic theme in a young person's life. Yeah, especially for someone like Madonna who couldn't just go, oh, well, like just reject it or accept it. Like she has to be. Biologically, she, to she couldn't. Could she? No, she's temperamentally inclined to like investigate and think about it. And, and sin. Yeah, and, and then make music about it. Like not shaving your armpits. Like this is the type of thing in the church that you're taught. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness, you're not conforming. You're not doing this. Uh, you, yeah. You, hell is on the cards, my friend. And I think, she, I think she was preempting the reaction as well because I think she knew she was putting something out that was um, controversial for somebody of her age. And I think this was basically her being like, well, I'm, I'm, I don't care. I'm a sinner. I like being a sinner. Well, don't sin. You might go to hell. But then the priest gets up and goes, "We are all sinners." And it's like, yeah. "Well, what the hell am I supposed to do?" Jesus, no, the point, they tell you that sin, <laughs> sin missed the mark, and and the mark is determined by the moral ideal. Oh, stop it, Jordan Peterson! I don't <laughs> want to hear from you. All right, love spent. Sounds like a nineteen eighties Nintendo game. It's boring. Skip anyone. What? Else no, 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 no. Hang on. What? Yes, yes, yes. I, the only thing I like about I remember is the like what you just said the production like with the with the banjos and the the Nintendo S um, like feel to it. Like uh, I I I like the acoustic myself. I mean, I I like it musically anyway, but lyrically this song is so savage and and like she's saying, "I want you to love me like you do your money." And then it, it, I was when I first heard this, I was just like, "What?" Like how she's—I can't believe she said that. Like I just—I I, yeah, I'm yeah, savage. That's... I love it. Huge, huge so F you to guy. Left, like it's so sad. Like to think of her in that relationship for all that time, and all she wanted was to be held, and you know all he cared about was his money. Or he said when uh, Guy Ritchie said holding Madonna was like holding a grisly piece of old bone. How rude. I know, it's which true. is a horrible thing to say about someone that you were married to. Like, mm, very yeah. Powerful. yeah. Well, she's written this song, though, you know, to be fair to, to Guy. <laughs> he was yeah, basically yeah. like, oh, it's no big deal. She's just my wife. No big deal. Nah, she's mm. just a piece of nothing. <laughs> Seriously. Maybe this is a little bit of a tribute to or a little bit of a reference to how much she had to pay him during the settlement too because I know she's quite bitter about that. But she yeah. had to pay around $45 million US dollars to, yeah, to him in, in this divorce. Wow. Mm, interesting. Masterpiece. Now, this is beautiful. Uh, oh, I'd like favorite. to know who it's written about. Who my, is this written about? My favourite, mm. my favourite. <laughs> do, do you think, Nick, that this is a little bit like Joan of Arc from Rebel Heart? Or am I just um, making that up? No. Okay, the first time I heard this song actually was, I didn't hear the song, but I heard, well, I didn't hear the full song, but like I was listening to a Madonna mega mix and then this just popped up um, and I heard a snippet of it and I was like, wow, this song is so beautiful. And then I learned it was from the new album at the time. Um, uh I don't know too much of the background to it, but I think it was used in a film, like a soundtrack or something. I'm yeah, not sure. it was written for WE and it was out way before. So this was technically the lead single, but at the time it wasn't on an album because um, this was this came out before anything else on the album did. How would you react if this was actually the lead single of the album instead of uh, Girl, um, not Girl Gone, uh, Give Me All Your Lovin'? I think I think I would have thought it was a weird lead single. I think it's a weird track on the album. It kind of because it was 
already in in WE, and because I think it's probably more about that film than it is anything else, I I feel like it's a bit tacked on. That kind of reminds me of what she did with Die Another Day yeah, for exactly. American Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that it thematically fits because she's very clever and she'll make sure that whatever she puts on her albums fits. But uh, yeah, it, it's to me, it's the odd one out. I actually read one interpretation of this is that she's talking about Jesus. Um, I don't know how true that is, but she is a very spiritual person, so it wouldn't surprise me. And yeah. also I wanted to say, Dad, that you um, linked it to Rebel Heart with Joan of Arc. Um, and I also think of this one as associated with... Uh, These guys what, shouted me down. They humiliated me. <laughs> yes, well, I agree. <laughs> but Watch All Over Me as well. Mm. Um, I no. find links this one. I put them all together. Like, they're all just... They've got that same... Oh, Wash All Over Me. Intro, yeah, Wash yeah, All Over Me. And you yeah. love that one mm. too. I think Masterpiece and I'll Remember are more alike than... Well, they're both from the film. Song. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think this, uh, this pissed off Elton John because... He was up for best song at the Golden Globes, and and she ended up winning, beating him out. Boo hoo! Like, ah, get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was very bitter on that night, wasn't he? Very bitter. <sighs> Falling free for me. This is a future glimpse into the Madam X era. Kind of feels like it's heading somewhere, but then it just refuses to go anywhere. Megs, this song oh, just right. refuses to go anywhere. Falling free. Handing it over to our panel. Well, it's like, um, for me, it's there's the trifecta of, uh, uh, what the hell is it called? Um, Full Circle, this, and uh, Extreme Occident are kind of like a three-part story to me. But yeah, um, it's very, uh, not Full Circle, Easy Ride. It's very Easy Ride. Uh, Again, like this and the, uh, what's track number eight again? Uh, I don't give a, uh, or I think. Uh, yeah, I think they're the least bad of this album. And it's Joe Henry again. I agree with Tim completely. I, uh, yes, Joe, I was just going to say that Madonna needs to work with him more because he's a good writer and he's her brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Then we move to Beautiful Killer. This is just second grade, B grade. <laughs> well, see, when you were gone, Tim, yeah. you were saying that this should be on the album instead of Superstar. A superstar should never have been put on that album. Shame on. And I would tell Madonna that straight to her face. What on earth is that? Please. Tim, Tim and you and Meg, do you, like, Megs, do you uh, think this uh, song should have been on the standard edition? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You've got that face again. You don't know what you're talking about. But you're <laughs> pretending. Mm, I do. <laughs> You've been inhaling those tie fumes, haven't you? Yes. It was a very big night. <laughs> I was going to say I thought it was odd that she didn't release it, that it wasn't on the standard album and she didn't release it as a single because obviously she did that club performance in Paris and this was one of the songs. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. And it was good. I don't, I don't love this track, but I, but I thought the club performance of this, this song was great. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it showed why it should have been on the album. I was shocked when I learned that she did this live. Like, normally you don't, like, you don't artists usually perform their singles nowadays they now they now they're doing their like non singles and occasionally but rarely uh like a b track which is yeah. wow i think she probably wanted to put it on the album and something probably happened now how about this one i effed up i love this this, this is one of my favorite things on it yeah i only remember the beginning where she said ah mm, the ah, something <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> that's all i remember I sorry it. it's beautiful 
Yeah, yeah. It's just unusual. I'll be interested for people to leave a comment. Is uh, this track beautiful as Simon has described it? I don't I know if you can say that. Describe it that way. Since we're on the subject, do you guys agree that MDNA or just any of her albums should include cuss words? Because I know some fans were a bit iffy with that. They're like, don't swear, Madonna, don't swear. I swear all the time. I'm writing a cookbook and I swear in that. So, you know, who knows? But. You're writing a cookbook and you swear in the cookbook? Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Add the fucking rice. <laughs> Like, how do you swear in a cookbook, Simon? As I say, just like the way I would speak normally, so with swear words, like, I effing love this thing, and you know, like, my mum had been proofreading it for me, and she was like, Do you think you should swear in it? And I was like, Yes, (laughs) you got your mother to proofread the rude (laughs) Simon's rude cookbook that's for next podcast. I, I I say fuck all the time when I'm cooking. I do because I'm always messing something up. <laughs> Brilliant. And I, can, and, I, and I can never crack an egg without getting shell in the bowl. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I got, I got shell in the bowl. Can I crack an egg correctly? I want you just to listen for a second. A B-Day is a bowl or receptacle designed to be sat on the purpose of walking the human genitalia, perineum, inner buttocks, and anus. Oh. And that is all lost. I was so as annoyed as the song is. It's 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 really not that bad. It's cute. It's funny. I think I think it was supposed to be funny. It was MIA and Madonna in the studio on Madonna's birthday. Um, yeah, exactly. I listen to it every year on my birthday religiously. Oh man, <laughs> the voice in this track, her voice is like fingers down a chalkboard. I don't know what she did, but <laughs> it's my birthday. It's my birthday. I'm, 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 the, I'm a happy girl. I'm a happy girl. <laughs> oh, I remember that part. And I just heard Tim's rough demo of it now. That was amazing. <laughs> Like it really, do you know what it reminds me of? Bart Simpson marching up and down the hallway with a saucepan and the wooden spoon. <laughs> like a, a big attention-seeking little brat. Yeah. And he's like, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. It's and then what's the next one, Nick, you said? I'm a happy girl, isn't it? Yeah. I'm a happy girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it has a bit of a, kind of I, a, bit of a fifth, 50s vibe to it, don't you find? Like a surfer. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm a, <laughs> like, you know, that sound to it. Yeah, I have a theory that artists sometimes try to record a song that they think is going to be like a perennial, like a perennial money spinner. For example, Christmas songs are an example of that. Yeah. <laughs> and Stevie Wonder makes a fortune, like from that "Happy Birthday to You," not because it's the best song in the world, even though it's pretty good. Like it's because it is so licensed that song. Mm-hmm. And I, my theory is, she sat down to try and make a song that would be heavily licensed because people would just keep playing it. Just or? hideous. It's, it's a shocking, shocking song. No, it's I a just, joke. It was it was her birthday. There's footage of them recording it in the studio on her birthday. Is it weird that I get B Day and Best Friend confused because they have bees in it? <laughs> yes, because they're completely different. <laughs> Uh, I never listened to. I think I listened to Best Friend once. I, I don't remember. Like, listen to this. Like, we're all listening. Simon, you are an MDNA massive super fan. Mm. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's a great album. Mm. Well, you didn't say that at the beginning. 
Yeah, I did. You were being reasonable. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> it's too late. I'm meant to be. I, I did listen to this album. It's just some of the beat tracks. I don't. Uh, besides "Beautiful Killer," I, I didn't. I don't remember anything. Mind you, I don't even remember half the album tracks. <laughs> this is the only album of hers with deluxe tracks where I think pretty much all of the deluxe tracks should have been on the album. Hi, I'm Rocco, and this is my MDNA review. So I actually wrote a glowing review of this album for my college newspaper at the time. I was going off my initial first impressions of the album, as well as my excitement that we finally had a new Madonna album after four years. But after owning the album for like a full week, it felt like I'd been listening to it forever. It was the weirdest thing. And I just got really bored with it really fast. And I have a feeling that she rushed this album. And I hate to say that because it doesn't sound like her to do that. But her manager, Guy Osiri, tweeted in the summer of 2011 that she was working on her next album. And by the spring of 2012, the album was already out. This was around the time that she was opening her gyms and releasing her perfumes and all these side projects, her music seemed to be treated like another side project rather than something to be taken seriously. That's my main issue with the album in general. I mean, I, I enjoy it in certain like short spurts, like, but I can only deal with it for like a day or a couple days. This isn't an album that I can live with for like many, many months. Cause like I said, it just bores me after a while. Um, but I do want to point out the uh, B-Day song, which is not everyone's favorite song. And believe me, it's not mine either. But I have kind of a different connection to this song because this album actually came out the day before my birthday. So I remember the next day on my birthday going to Best Buy and buying this album. So that song, I have kind of a different, more sentimental connection to. Um even though it's still not my favorite Madonna song and it's not the greatest Madonna song, but there's that little connection that kind of makes me see it differently than most other people. This was also the first time I ever saw Madonna live. Um, it was the MDNA tour at Yankee Stadium. And I didn't have the best time at the show since I was really, really far away. Even though I had a floor seat, I was all the way in the back. But it was a great first Madonna show to attend as a fan. So yeah, all in all, I just feel like it is, it was a rushed project. It was musically, I think, kind of basic and could have been made a lot better. But there's a lot of other things to appreciate, like the lyrics and the um, imagery and, and her overall uh the show, the visual elements, I thought were really good. And yeah, that's my review. Uh, well, this is, this is a lukewarm album for me. I do, I, you know, it's just, uh, the, the deluxe tracks, beautiful killer. Again, I agree with, um, Simon. Uh, I thought it was, a, a what she did, the club performance of that. That was great. The other three could have been safe for the box set. Uh, this is from The Observer, and it's Gareth Grundy. And he said he was in, bil- I'm quoting, he was in bilivant toward the record's clumsy rave pop tracks, including that the more relaxed, less 
Stentorian track, Sparkle, he up in that the second half of the release sounds as if it's been borrowed from an entirely different and much better project. And that's exactly how I feel about MDNA. I reckon that's a fairly fair summary, I've got to say. Now, MDNA didn't actually perform badly commercially, I'm talking about. It was, the, according to some sources, the 12th best-selling album of 2012. It sold 1.8 million copies, which in that year was very high. It sold a, more than 2 million by this stage. Yet its legacy is fascinating. This is what happens with Madonna sometimes. The legacy is very different from when we lived it. For example, Erotica at the time. Uh, I think the fans always loved it from the start, to be fair, but it w- was not critically acclaimed. Mm. Or it was just overshadowed. And then the legacy is that this is genius looking back. Mm. MDNA seems to be like it sold really well at the time. It got sort of fairly positive to mixed reviews. But looking back, the legacy within the fan community, besides Simon, of course, is that this is a travesty. Mm, and the general public's different. Like, they have a different take on it and everything, don't they? So, mm. yeah, but... So. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, look, pe- people listening, please leave a comment. I mean, have we been too fair to MDNA? Because people wanted blood, and I wanted to deliver blood, but <laughs> I feel like we've got these reasonable, intelligent people on the line. It's just not good enough, Meg. Yeah, we've been very even-handed. But it's been interesting. I'm really looking forward to going back and reviewing David's hosting skills, which I have no doubt would have been incredible. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Tim, we were really, when you were gone, that's when we were the most brutal to Superstar. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Excellent. I look forward to that. Did you feel like you were in safe hands, Nick and, and Simon? Uh, I, was doing, <laughs> I was doing a lot of singing, so. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> hey, obviously, like- obviously, I didn't do a good job, Tim, because that's when Lee dropped off. I've had enough. I, th- I think Lee, when we actually jump up and down on his chest, will tell a different story. <laughs> it sounds like Nick was off singing, Lee's dying in the gutter, and Simon was telling everyone how good this album is. What the hell were you doing, David? <laughs> oh, Thank you all for your time. It's been fun. I was off in La La Land, sorry. <laughs> this, this has been fun. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, pleasure to be here, and thank God I made it to the end this time. <laughs> Yeah, you did very well. All right, Meg's going hit 911. We'll find out what's happening for Lee and we'll get him the help he needs. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Lord, forgive me for this album that I have created and help me to extinguish its musical sins. My Lord, I have trespassed against you, especially when I wrote BD song and I threw myself on your mercy. Lord, give me the strength to abstain, abstain from ever performing any of these songs, ever. Again. Again.